0: Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The world we live in has
1: become a crazy place. Poverty is at an all-time high in the wealthiest nation on earth. We keep calling on government to save us with new programs, and we now have more people using food stamps than any time in our history. Keep seeking the answer to poverty through government, and the problem will continue to get worse. The answer to poverty is in our homes, churches, and communities, not in Washington or any state's capital. The long-term success of our country will come through our children if we teach them perseverance, humility, honor, character, hope, and love. And love will lead to action. This is the Mickey Ellison Show. How we raise our children today will be our legacy for good or evil. Let's change the world. Now, here is Mickey Ellison.
2: Welcome to the Mickey Ellison Show. I am Mickey Ellison. And uh, this week we have as a a guest my my friend and author of uh, the, the book Financial Sanity and Three Easy Lessons. And... Um, just to give an, give you an idea, we've on on the show last week. I'm going to back up here. Last week's show, um, I promised that I was going to give a definition of complete fitness, and I got so busy talking to myself that I forgot to actually give the definition of complete fitness. So, David, remind me to give that definition before we finish this show.
3: I'm um, waiting with bated breath, Mickey.
2: All righty, but. Uh, um, David has been extremely uh vital if you uh, if you've listened to past shows I can post some shows that David has been on in the past on the Facebook page. I have a tendency to forget to do that as well to to, to bring some of that into light. But I met David um I think it was in 2012. Uh, he is a frequent guest on the Mike Church show which is still my favorite uh uh, talk radio show, even uh, over and above my own show, because it's really, it's actually painful to listen to myself, David. And I suppose David would be kind of tired David, so David made the mistake of uh, I don't know if it was a mistake or if it was divine intervention of responding to an email that I sent him. And let's see, that was 2012 or 15. Three years later, he's still he's still tolerating me. But <laughs> in, in reality, David has been wise counsel um you know we we when we first met i was going through some of the hard parts of i come to a realization i'd actually gone through three years of what i consider to be hell in in the financial planning business but through through a lot of prayer through, through a lot of research and i really do believe that they that god places people in our lives at certain times that's, and, and is perfect and um you know i, I was ready to to explode um, I was ready to to jump out of this business. Uh, I looked at I'd seen some things that that really disturbed me, not only uh, of people that are actually in the industry, but uh, of myself and, and some of the things I was so naive of. And um, at about that time, I met David. And, and David, I, I, I think one of the it wasn't the first show that I heard David on. I think so. I'd actually met David. Um David was on a show one day and I almost called in. You know, David, I do a radio show. Did you know I've never called into a radio show? Really? Yeah. Yeah. I've never called I've never called into one, but I I almost did one day. And David was on and and they were talking about uh finances and you know, David doesn't have those fancy initials after his name. Um, called cfp which i'd actually no longer have those after my name either i passed your test and and it didn't do anything to help my clients in two thousand, two thousand 2007 <laughs> 2008 and but it looks pretty to have on the side but there was some guy uh, hey david hey welcome to the show why, why don't you tell what happened do you remember the the, the show that i'm talking about
3: what you're talking about the, the time when some CFP did call in to bash me a little bit because I didn't know what I was talking about, supposedly. I think that's the one you might be mentioning.
2: That is, yeah, that was the closest I've ever been to calling into a radio show.
3: And, yeah, uh, you know, well, let me go back a little bit, making first tell you that, um, you know, to the degree, if any, that I've been an instrument of God's grace to you, well, hallelujah. I, I just have a hard time believing that, knowing my own insufficiencies and inadequacies in so many different areas. But I, I will say that you have, uh, you know, I did talk to you about staying in the business. I told you that it was important that we had good men in the business. Uh, and, and I think you were, uh, you, you were someone who's been valuable to me, I mean, in such an incredible way. Uh, you know, I don't want to make this a mutual admiration society, but um, – but we really uh, I think we both provide each other with great insights and that's that's good I try to take from everybody that I ever meet uh, I try to learn from them and get some value from them and uh, and you've definitely provided that in in uh, in droves so uh, like I said to the degree that I've helped you well good I, but, but you've been a real blessing to me as well
2: well, thank you thank you. and again I I think God puts people in our in our lives at certain times that uh, you know his timing is is always perfect um you know one thing that that I one reason I want to bring you back in as far as you have you have helped with with uh, some of the direction that that we've taken with complete fitness and, and sometimes just in prayer and and I I think that uh um as I mentioned at the beginning of the show that you know, we have a definition of complete fitness, and actually, we've had it all along. We, it just took us a while to actually realize what it was. And um, but in this time, and looking at at, at, uh, at society and where we're where we're going, and, and and the the lies that are out there that the people are trying to do, I came across an article last week that I, I forwarded you the article. And um, this isn't going to be a political talk. I'm going to actually read the article. It's an article that was written in Gallup by uh, a guy named Jim Clifton. He's a chairman and CEO of, of Gallup. And, you know, one thing I think we've seen in our economy re- recently is that there's you – know, you've got the stock market that has gone gangbusters for the last five years. Yeah. And, but yet a lot of people aren't seeing that. So I read this this article that says, The Big Lie, uh, 5.6% unemployment. And I can actually post this if I remember to, at least to the Facebook page for folks to read. But I'm going to read it, and then, then we're going to actually break it down – not really break it down. We're going to, we'll go into what I think hit both of us. But Mr. Clifton writes, here's something that many Americans – again, the, the article is the big lie, 5.6 percent unemployment. Here's something that many Americans, including some of the smartest and most educated among us, don't know. The official unemployment rate, as reported by the U.S. Department of Labor, is extremely mis- misleading. And something from government might be misleading. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> right, right now we're hearing much celebrating from the media, the White House and Wall Street, about how unemployment is down, and it's got that in quotation marks, to 5.6%. The cheerleading for this number is deafening. The media loves the comeback story. The White House wants to score political points, and Wall Street would like to, to stay in the market would like you to stay in the market. Uh, boy, would they. None of them would tell you this. If you, a family member, or anyone is unemployed and has subsequent, subsequently quit looking for a job or given up on finding a job, if you're so hopelessly out of work that you've stopped looking over the past four weeks, the Department of Labor doesn't count you as unemployed. That's right.
3: Well, if you're really out of
2: work, you're not unemployed. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you've gone so, it, it's gotten so bad that you've just quit. Yeah. While you are as unemployed as one can possibly be and tragically may never find work again, you're not counted in the figure we see relentlessly in the news, currently 5.6%. Right now, as many as 30 million Americans are either out of work or severely underemployed. Trust me, the vast majority of them aren't throwing parties to toast falling unemployment. There's another reason why the official rate is misleading. Say you're You're an out-of-work engineer or healthcare worker or construction worker or retail manager. If you perform a minimum of one hour a week – I didn't know this one, Dave. If you perform a minimum of one hour a week – one hour of work in a week and are paid at – for the English-speaking friends out there, we'll start that one over. If you perform a minimum of one hour of work in a week and are paid at least $20, maybe someone pays you to mow their lawn. You're not officially counted as unemployed in the much-reported 5.6%. Few Americans know this. Yet another figure of importance that doesn't get much press, those working part-time but wanting full-time work, if you have a, you have a degree in chemistry or math and are working 10 hours part-time because is all you can find, in other words, you are severely underemployed, the government doesn't count you in the 5.6%. Few Americans know this. There's no other way to say this. The official unemployment rate, which cruelly overlooks the suffering of the long-term and often permanently unemployed as well as the depressingly underemployed, amounts to a big lie. And actually, this is the part I want you to listen to. Um, and it's a lie that has consequences because the great American dream – put that in quotation marks – is – I'm, I'm holding them up over my head. The great American dream is to have a, great, a good job, and in recent years, America has failed to deliver that dream more than it has at any time in recent memory. A good job – and listen to this just and, and contemplate on this. A good job is an individual's primary identity, their very self-worth, their dignity. It establishes the relationship they have with their friends, community, and country. When we fail to deliver a good job that fits a citizen's talents, training, and experience, we're felling the great American dream. Hmm. Comment on that, Dave.
3: Well, if we were in a communist utopia, that would probably be an exact description. <laughs> I mean, you know, to raise little happy workers uh, who live in an ant heap and everyone does their job digging out the dirt holes. Um, that's not what life's about. Uh, if it ever was, I think it would have been a very depressing life. Um, but so you, you got a guy who's telling you the truth about the unemployment numbers and telling you complete falsity about the philosophy of life and what life means. Um, that's not the great American dream, or at least I hope it's not. Uh, and it's not a good life. Uh, I think anyone who would spend about five minutes, like you said, contemplating that issue would know that that's not what gives them the greatest amount of happiness or, or feeling of success or, or anything close to approaching, you know, spiritual wholeness or philosophical happiness. Um, it, it's not involved in our work or our careers, but, uh, but I can I, I can understand how an American would say it these days because we've been told so much that that's I mean I, I I mentioned to you before from when you're about four years old on people are asking you what do you want to be when you grow up uh, and they mean they're and of course they don't mean uh, any kind of state like happiness they say what kind of job do you want and, and right, we, we right. develop it in kids even and it's kind of a sickness and a pathology we need to get rid of.
2: Yeah, well, my my kid, uh, my, my oldest kid is getting ready to go to high school next year. Uh, we're actually homeschooling our youngest, but our oldest has been in the public system for for quite a while, and uh, and, and we're going to continue to do that, I think, for the foreseeable mm-hmm. future. And the, the the counselor that came in from the high school uh, that that he will be going to, they they went through, um, you know, you need to really be thinking about beyond the next four years. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't think about. Beyond the next few years, but basically being told that now's the time you got to figure out that identity, what you want to be for a, do for a living and how many times have, have you been asked Dave you go you, you get to go to different uh, clubs or, or whatever it might be and the first thing mm-hmm. they ask you is what do you do for a living? Right right or, or what, what what do you what do you do? And you know I, I was thinking we you and I had a chance to talk a little bit before the show and I was telling you a story. Every Monday night, my, my youngest son has basketball practice on the other side of Wichita. And driving across Wichita is not like driving through uh, through Atlanta or something like that. I can get to that one a little bit. But they practice at 6 o'clock, which means it takes us about – normally normal drive time, it would take us about 15, 20 minutes to get there. It's not that far. Right. But because of the timing of his practice and this, this convoluted interchange that somebody thought was a good idea – um that's a whole nother show and these people are getting out getting off of work and it takes us about anywhere it can range from five to ten minutes to get through this this intersection each time we go to practice so we have to live a little bit earlier my older boy rides with us and yeah rather than than looking at that and getting mad which it does make me mad at times because i'm going i just want to take my kid to basketball practice uh, is I become saddened, Dave. Mm-hmm. I I've become saddened that that's the American dream that you've got to stay. Uh, and, and this isn't like being—you know—I drove through Atlanta coming back from our Complete Fitness event, six thirty in the morning, and it's bumper to bumper traffic. Yeah. yeah, And people are driving to the American dream. Well, I, if that's the American dream, Dave, I don't want it. Yeah. Is, I mean, can we not? Can we not, <laughs> can, can we not go by that mountain?
3: Go ahead. Go ahead. I just, it's an American nightmare, huh? Uh, oh, uh, yeah. Well, you know, and I don't want to I, I, – maybe I overspoke my case a little bit. Uh, I, I just approach things more philosophically these days. And so the, everyone, yes, should have a ministerial function that they provide to society. I'm not saying you shouldn't have something you do for a living, right. uh, but but we we've – Misconstrued it. We've kind of made it puritanical or something. In that, in other words, that's that. Like you said, in the, and like the article said, it's the sum total of our being. It's our dream. It's our our goal in life. That's misplaced. Um, we used to have first and foremost. Well, remember the old order. I remember when I was a kid, they always said God, family, country. You know, that was the order. Uh, I think it still is. <laughs> um, <laughs> But if you place God first and family above country, and countries where you do that work, that ministerial function, then it's, it's third on the priority list at best. Um, uh-huh. and, and yet we've made the first of the priority list, and that's where it's where it's losing its uh, its import.
2: Yeah, and I, you know, I was thinking about yesterday. I got to spend – it was 74 degrees in Wichita, Kansas yesterday, and um, – I had the most fun that I've had in a long time. I got to go outdoors with my my thirteen year old who was about to be fourteen and man it just just to play we're playing baseball together, yeah. just playing catch, hitting uh, him some ground balls, and I'm actually looking out there at him catching his ground balls and standing am going, Wow, where did time go this, this kid looks like a little man out there. not a little man heck he's five ten yeah, so he's not yeah. a little um but uh you know that that to me is is one of the things that, that I love for I mean we we've gotten to a point now in society where if you and I decided you know, my grandfather, my grandfather um, he did work for a living, but he also had a small farm and I mean small farm and the food that they ate came from that farm uh, it, it was corn it was always in not to say that they never went to uh, to to the grocery store you remember. We we grew up in the South, so we had Winn-Dixie. That was that was the big supermarket chain at the time. Yeah. And you know they would they would make a trip to Winn-Dixie every once in a while, so we'd have a Coke or a Pepsi or something like that to drink in the refrigerator. But you know they didn't. They they could have survived without ever making it to the grocery store. But today, if you take that same 28 acres, is what you, what he had. And he didn't farm most of it. He had just a couple uh, – had a small field where he grew a bunch of corn. I think he gave most of that away. And um, and, and then he had another one where I learned how to plant watermelons and, and, and all these other things that uh, – actually, I didn't do much. He would go out there and wet the ground, and I'd stick my finger in it, and he'd drop seed in it. But uh, – <laughs> That's helpful. Um, there you go. And, and – uh, but today, if I were to have those 28 acres, well, heck – what if I decided my self worth has nothing to do with the job? I can I can survive. My family can survive, and we can be happy growing food. Um, you know, we can. We're okay with with not necessarily being on the grid for electricity and all those things. But yet we couldn't do that if we wanted to, Dave, because there's property tax that needs to be paid on the on on the property. There's mm-hmm. all these other other things that come along with it. So in today's society, it is it's really difficult. To uh, uh, try to live that that life where, you know, not every it's not for everybody. There's nothing wrong with somebody that wants to go out and create the, the next Microsoft or whatever it might be. Um, but not all of us are are interested in that. And you know, we're coming up on a break. Uh, when we get back, I want to talk a little a little bit more about the article. But uh, I also wanna to, wanna to get into uh, some of the other lies I think that are being told out there, Dave, and that's that's to talk about some of the the self help and to talk about some of the the financial fitness and physical fitness. And it's funny that we might hit those and we've got a we've got a, a new ministry called Complete Fitness. Um, when you get the definition at the end of the show, you'll understand that uh, that that it is it really has nothing to do with physical and financial fitness. But uh, hey, Dave Simpson's with us this week, uh, David Simpson. I should call you David instead of Dave.
3: Uh, and, I get called all and,
2: and, of things, Mickey. <laughs> I'm probably going call you any of those because I don't, I don't know anything bad. So, um, but We'll be back from this break in a second. We hope to see you on the other side. See you then.
4: American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. The bottom line in business talk.
0: Adoption changes a family forever. For the adopters as well as the adoptees, there are many adjustments that need to be made. From lifestyle to financial, and the personal rewards are unlimited. Listen every week for Your Adoption Coach with Kelly Ellison. We will examine in detail such topics as international and domestic adoption. We will talk with adoption professionals and hear stories about real families adopting. If you've been thinking about adoption or recently began the process, you'll want to tune in to be inspired every Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on Voice America Variety.
1: to the Mickey Ellison Show. To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or you can drop Mickey an email to mickey at mickeyellison.com. Like our show on Facebook. Now, back to the show.
2: Welcome back to the Mickey Ellison Show. My name is Mickey Ellison, and with me today is David Simpson, author of Financial Sanity and Three Easy Lessons. And I have a few copies of that book left if anybody's interested in in picking up a copy. Um, You can contact me, Mickey, at MickeyEllison.com or uh, uh, visit the uh, Mickey Ellison Show Facebook page. We do appreciate it if you like the show that – the show page that lets us know that you're uh, you're out there listening and and you find some of the stuff that we're doing as valuable. And any comments, always always helpful. Uh, I guess I shouldn't say any comments always helpful because sometimes comments are <laughs> our, our good our good buddy or your good buddy and 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 my favorite radio show host Mike Church gets plenty of comments that aren't necessarily helpful. <laughs>
3: But yeah, uh, he sends a lot to, to me, and he tells you to answer <laughs> him. You know, and I'm like, well, "Wait a second, this ain't my fight, buddy."
2: <laughs> but you know, I think that's what happens when you start to, uh, to to stand up to some of the the big lies that we're taught. We're taught, and, and you know, we, you and I have had conversations uh, about um, many things, whether it goes with inflation, whether it goes with debt, and one of the things that we're going to be doing with with Complete Fitness is we are helping people out of debt, and I. I I do. Uh, um, there's so many stories I think that are going to come from from the dollar a day and the people that are participating. And I want to say thank you to every one of you that has done that, including you, Dave. Um, that but has done just miraculous things. Not miraculous, just just um, selfless, selflessly helping some folks out of out of debt. And I'm personally working with the person that we are uh, we're helping this month. So um, going to see some. I think we're going to see some great things out of her. Because I've gotten to know her heart and where she's going, but let's talk about some of the some of those those big lies. Um, the the being tied to to government. Another one I see a lot of, Dave, is is the the self help. I googled right before we got on the show self help, and there's 367 million possibilities. I guess you could click on on Google to to uh, to find out about self help. Physical yeah, health. Help. There's it? a yeah, <laughs> 367 million hits. Uh, it, I, I I think that people are are they're seeking more. There's no doubt about that. Otherwise, there wouldn't be 367 million possibilities there. And actually, on the physical fitness side, there was 120 million possibilities that you could hit on as well. Yeah. But. Um, I think people are, are are seeking more. They just don't know where to find it. Um, you and I, I, I believe that you and I have have been able to to, to find it, and I think that's what gives us um, the the peace that we have at times. But it also, uh, not at times, it, it it does give me peace. Um, but uh, do you, do you find that interesting, Dave? That there's there, um, 367 million hits on self help alone.
3: Right, uh, you know, I have a hard time choosing what deodorant to buy, and I think there's <laughs> only 20 choices on that aisle. Um, it, you know, it, it really is kind of a shame. I think, I think what we're finding, and this kind of thing comes in and cycles throughout, you know, human beings' history, but it's that this whole idea of freedom and choice is maybe not all that it's cracked up to be. Uh, I know that sounds very strange, people go, "What are you talking about? I'm gonna be a slave, or I don't have any rights, or I don't get to choose." Well. Uh, what I'm saying is, is that an unfettered human being is not a whole lot better than just a wild animal. Uh, and what we're finding is that they're they're so desperate and they're so lonely. I'm talking about the human, the human person, the modern human person. It, they feel two kind of strange and conflicting and almost opposite feelings. They feel very alone. Because, you know, no one can be anyone else's master on this planet anymore. It's hyper-egalitarianism to, to its extreme. And so, but they're, so they're all alone, and yet they have all of this, quote-unquote, freedom and choice. And because they're alone, they have no one to ask for help. And so now we have these two great parties. We have the one party who's offering help. Here's self-help, self-help. Here's how you do it. Here's how you do it. Here's how you do it. And the other group who doesn't know which which book to pick up because there's so many. Uh, and, and there's nobody to ask for real guidance because all you get is a book or a brochure or a new program or I, I don't you know I don't know what, and it's really peculiar if you think, if you start if you start to kind of try to really analyze it you realize ultimately we're all just lost and we're talking about desperately lost even the people writing self help books I think are lost um, they're they're writing them to get to feel to get a sense of control uh, in my own book I wrote. I don't think we need another financial planning book. Uh, It was the first few pages. I said, I think I spent two pages on that idea alone. Why in the world would anybody write one more financial planning book? Uh, I couldn't really come up with a good reason other than I thought that I had something That was a little different, which was a lot of my book isn't about finance. It's kind of about common sense. It's about God. It's about having faith. It's about not even planning some things financial, like maybe having some extra food in the closet. Um, You know, these this isn't common advice. That's why I thought it was worthy of writing, but. Uh, but I still would put it on the maybe it's not worthy of writing. Maybe we need more people to shut up. Uh, we need a few more people who have genuine leadership, uh, genuine concern, by the way, for other human beings to stand up and um, and be heard because what we have right now is just a cacophony of a lot of competing voices, and none of it makes a whole lot of sense.
2: Yeah, and I was just googling as you were talking. Uh, one of the areas that we hit on quite a bit with Complete Fitness is this problem with debt, and we can get more into uh, into depth of that if we wanted to, because realistically, we live in a society where, um, it, it's you're almost forced into it, and, and and people don't necessarily. Well, I think they see it, but they don't know how to get out of that, that cycle. And I don't know that that you and I have necessarily the well, we do have the answer, but no one wants to listen to us.
3: Um, well, and there. Well, in, in one sense, we don't have the answer, and that is you – know, we, we talked about this before. Our monetary system is based on a debt motive. I don't know if that makes any sense to people, but there's a good book called The Creature from Jekyll Island, all about the Federal Reserve and central banking. And this, by the way, central banks are in every country around the world. The The bankers are controlling our current universe, and – So in one sense, we can't get out of it because they've rigged the game. And by the way, the game – and I hate to call it a game because it's not funny. It's not a game. It's a systematic theft from the working man to the plutocrats, to the people who are in charge who have all the money. That's what's going on is a systematic transfer of wealth from us who – work hard and just care about other human beings and try to provide you know love and care and services to someone else uh is being transferred to people who have no regard for human beings
2: (laughs) Uh, well i mean one one simple way i actually put it i think i even said this last week imagine that there's 10 of us that are, are interested in buying a house and we all have we all have our certain amount of money that we can pay for the house we're not borrowing anything right and you know whoever is willing to pay the most for that house out of their existing cash We'll wind up buying that house, but all of a sudden we have number eleven entered in that went to went to the bank, and the bank was willing to give them say the house we were, the the highest price was a hundred thousand dollars. Well, now the bank's going to give this guy
1: one hundred
2: twenty thousand dollars to buy the house that before there was only a hundred thousand dollars available for or there's one guy was willing to pay that much. Well, all of a sudden, you had $120,000 that entered the system that wasn't even there before. Now, who benefits from that? The very first person to sell that house on that loan does benefit. Yeah. They benefit yeah. pretty substantially. But the bank also benefits because they're yeah. going to get paid interest on, on that, that loan for ever, how long they have it. Right. And the next time you keep making this money available, the next time that house goes for sale, maybe it sells for $140,000. That's right. Yeah. And, no, and, yeah that's
3: and, and, and I think the banks are a huge beneficiary. Uh, I don't know that every banker is an evil genius or anything, but I do think that, like I said, the system is set up to do this process of a systematic transfer of wealth from the working class to the plutocrats. And so in that sense, we can't escape it until we change that system, which there aren't a whole lot of people out there. There are a few that I think are arguing for such systematic and structural change at that base level. But... But you can, there are ways to be defensive in the process. Um, and in other words, you try to use kind of like in the, the judo analogy where you use a man's weight against him, you know, uh, in leveraged positions, and that kind of stuff. There are ways that we can take the system that we're in and be defensive and try to protect ourselves to some degree. But that's just a delaying process. That's just a defensive process that we're in until we can make the structural changes that make it really worthwhile to save money again. Um, I mean, you know as well as I do, you know, You especially with the CFP, I'm sure they told you this. You know, with with inflation eating us alive, a lot of times it's not worth saving. So you should spend, right? That was one of the things they told us. We'll have a spend economy. We'll just keep spending ourselves into prosperity. How they how they how they can conceive of that, I don't know. Uh, But they actually believe it that we can spend as long as we're all spending, the economy keeps rolling. And like, okay, well, who's going to produce and who's going to produce what we're going to buy to spend? Well, it doesn't matter. Just spend your money. so some people just don't save because they feel it's like it's, like it's futile. Why well, save? Uh-huh. Uh, my money's losing value when it's sitting in the bank, and so they go out there and they spend. And of course, so what do they have? They have a whole lot of nothing, and that's really, really dangerous.
2: Well, wow. and what do they have actually have to invest in, Dave? Because we we've got these vanglorious um, 401ks and IRAs and all, <clears throat> all this stuff that funnels our money into. Stuff that if it wasn't if it wasn't for that system, you might not even buy it at all. We oh, have yeah, people who yeah. are we we're, we're asking people to save for retirement in something that they don't know what they. And it's not to say that you know what the returns on anything is going to be, but they they don't even know what they're buying.
3: No, they yeah, they're, they're told
2: to, they just automatically like like a uh, like a puppet. The the strings are being pulled to be able to put to put money into this system, and and I I. I I don't think that necessarily all the people that write the rules for the those ideas for tax deferral and all that were necessarily evil, but I tell you what. If I were a mutual fund family and I had enough clout, if I could find a way to get people to uh, uh, save money into a vehicle that wouldn't be touched for 40 years, I could make a lot of money on that. <laughs> and that. Not a bad deal, huh?
3: Well, listen, no, I, a- I was reading into last week. I got another article about, uh, they, I don't know, they did something with the 401k rules and how you know uh, how much you could contribute to them, and now you can contribute after-tax dollars into these things. And they were, they were explaining all these rules as to how much you can put in there and why and when it's a good idea and so on. And after reading this thing for thirty or forty minutes, I mean, my eyes started to spin around in my head, and I just went, "Man, I'm so glad I don't recommend this to people." You know, (laughs) I mean, um, I mean, I tell people, "Look, you got a 401k. I'm not going to tell you to cash it out or anything. It'd be too, it'd be too economically detrimental to do so usually." But. But the rules of these things are so ridiculous, so arcane, so complex, and they keep changing them. They keep monkeying with them. At some point in time, you know they're going to just do this. They're going to change the rules and say, by the way, uh, they're taxable now. Or, by the way, we want all of our capital gains out of them now. Or, oh, hey, by the way, you don't own all of it. You only own, own two-thirds of it, and the other third is ours. I mean, so long as we let them control the rules of the game, of our money, I, I, uh-huh. I look, stay, steer clear or, or do it very, very sparingly.
2: Yeah, well, and and the, so so many folks are out there looking at retirement. They they have accumulated a a, a decent amount through stock market investments or whatever it might be. But you got to spend the rest of your life going. Well, I hope I don't run out of money. And if we can manage to get us a eight to nine percent return over the long haul, I should be just fine. And by the way, your financial advisor told you back in two thousands you could take a six percent income stream, and it should be able to last you forever. And today they're telling you three and a half or four percent. Well, something's wrong with that system. And yeah. I, it just it, it it started to blow my mind. Actually my brother of all people had, had the best comeback to me when when I first got into business. Now, I don't know if I've told you this story, Dave. I, he's he's an independent um, golf pro. I don't know how you get to be an independent golf pro, but he's do, he's managed to do it. So he yeah. he he teaches people how to play golf in at three or four different places, and and but anyway, actually, he worked really hard to get to that point, and he just wouldn't listen to anybody who told him he was stupid for doing it. <laughs> and um, I asked him one day, said Todd, are you, are you ever are you ever contemplate um, retirement? And maybe you ought to be putting some money back. Well, you can save some tax dollars today, and and blah, 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 blah. And I said, why, why won't you at least set up like a simple IRA? And th- these are t- more technical terms as far as the uh, financial planning world is if for people who don't know what simple IRAs are and self-IRAs and traditional IRAs and Roth IRAs and solo 401ks, all these silly names. And he, you know what he said to me, Dave? What's that? This is Mickey, let me ask you a question. He says, Why do I want to put my money into something I can't touch until I'm 59 and a half without paying a penalty for touching it when I could take that same money and invest it right into my business and, and grow it? Yeah. Hey, I, and I said, I said, Well, you growing good.
3: hard. He got to it a lot faster than me. I, uh, I did some stupid things in the early part of my career, locking people's money away. And when one of my clients came up to me and said, I need some of my money. And I said, well, you told me you weren't going to touch it for 40 years. And she said, well, I got a great deal on a piece of land. I got to have it. And it cost her money getting it out, of course, because of where I put it and so on. That's when the light went off my head. I said, wait a second, David, idiot. Uh, My middle name name that day was idiot. Um, I, I said, you couldn't think when you first met this woman that at some point in the next 40 years, she might want some money liquid and available to use. That's not a reasonable conclusion to draw when you meet a client for the first time. Uh, I mean, it was just stupid, but I was trained to ask her certain questions. I was trained to do certain things, and it was all about locking their money up. Uh-huh. And um, and that's stupid. We should have some money free and clear to use whenever we want. And, boy, I tell you what, when that light went off, I, I, I became an advocate for, for some really radical and different things.
2: Yeah, and I'm I'm hoping we get a chance through Complete Fitness, you get to teach some of that stuff, by the way. And I just threw that out there. David didn't know I was gonna say that. Um, but uh um yeah, you know, some folks that have actually come to the Complete Fitness event events have they have walked away with your book. So uh they know who you are. Um and uh um I think there's gonna be some things down down the line, at least I'm gonna pick your brain on a little bit. So as long as you let me. Hey you but, know Mickey. Yeah, I, uh, my, yeah. I went
3: online what? and I saw somebody had reviewed my book. You reviewed my book and you gave, me, you gave me a banner review and I appreciate it. And then another guy reviews my book and he said, nothing nothing new here, a bunch of reviews of, of other books I've already read or something like that. It was really negative and kind of condescending. And so I thought, golly, man, did I, I really write that bad of a book? So I went and looked at it. About, I went and looked at my book and I said, wait, that's, there's not one review of other materials in here other than when I give resources to you that for a person to go to. Here's what you can look at to help build this part of the plan, right? Maybe a budget or whatever. And I thought, my goodness, he must have hated what I wrote for some other reason. So then I got to thinking about it. And I think it was because I mentioned God. I, mm-hmm. I honestly do. I think because I said, you got to believe things and got to have faith. I, I think he just couldn't accept it. So he gave me a real negative review. <laughs> <laughs> no. I took it in stride, well, though.
2: Well, you know, I, I was told when I first got in the business, that the things that you are, um, that you don't want to bring up to folks. Is that you never want to talk politics and you never want to talk religion. And I'm going, yeah. to go, well, wait a second, why do I want to talk about those things? And and, and as you know, I'm on a, 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 well, you do it too. You go on with, with with Mike, which I don't actually call Mike's church, Mike Church's show a political show anymore. It, it, it it's much much more than that. And you know, I think we all three have gone through this this transformation where our eyes are being opened, and we're, you, you know, at some point you go, oh my gosh. Yeah. this is this is so so messed up and, and you start to look at uh, you, you you know just going back to 2008 when when everything was going haywire, did, no one focused on the fact they focused on the credit markets freezing up and the stock markets were getting hammered because of it, and the bond markets were getting hammered because mm-hmm. but they never looked at the root problem that um, we we need the credit markets in order for us to grow our economy. That's a recipe for disaster at yeah, some point is. in time, and unfortunately, we live in a world where you know, in order to feed the monkey, is that is that the one? In order to keep feeding, them, feeding the feeding the monster, we got to continually go into more and more debt. And the and we're going to get on this the the next next segment. Um, cool. Dave, but the one that opened my eyes was when I asked someone in the business. They continually talked about inflation and then how it was a good thing. And I finally said, "Why?" Yeah. When we get back from this break, Dave and I are going to talk about why and and how that that changed uh, the direction that I was I was going. And uh, and then we'll hit a little bit on complete fitness in this next se- segment. We'll hope you join us on the other side of the break. See you then.
4: and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sanjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. Families today face unique challenges. Marriage, parenting, and family forms have changed a lot in the last century.
1: together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. You are tuned to the Mickey Ellison Show. To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or you can drop Mickey an email to Mickey. At MickeyEllison.com. like our show on Facebook. Now, back to the show.
2: Welcome back to the Mickey Ellison Show, and David Simpson, author of Financial Sanity and Three Easy Lessons, is is on the on the line with us. Um, I don't have a Dude Makers hotline, do a that's that's <laughs> Mike still. So um, I, the the Mickey hotline. Actually, yeah, you know, I wonder, I wonder if anybody ever. Is called into one of these shows. I wonder what would happen if somebody actually did. Maybe we could stage that one day, and in uh, and, and a, and a future, David, and you just call in so you could be my first call in uh, on the actual show. That'd be
3: nice. That's not huh? that's not a gift going.
2: There we go. But anyway, when, when we went to the break, yeah, you know, we we actually in the first two segments we hit we hit on the the big lie um, is an article written by Jim Clifton from from Gallup, and how people have have their self worth and their 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 dignity, all that is tied to what they do for a living. And uh, you know, while the there was the article was talking about the big lie, saying that we have 5.6 percent unemployment. Uh, the real big lie to me is is this uh, this thought of this American dream that our, my entire um, self worth is tied up in a job and what I do for a living. But you, you pointed out, Dave, that you know kids are at four and five and six are started they they're being programmed and so were we as, yeah. as to what what you're gonna be when you grow up. Except, you know, when I was four or five or six years old I was gonna be a major league baseball player. Yeah. Um, I, I I still remember going to, to second grade and on career day wearing my baseball uniform and uh, maybe I'll just put that back on and let that dream come back. They're looking for any forty three year old catchers. <laughs> well, in you the big what leagues. is
3: funny about that is or not funny, but if you I, I like to look at children at, at, at the growth the way they grow up and get insights about What I think life is really about, you know, because kids are so pure in their view of the world. You know, it's very black and white. And I think that's instructive for people who've gotten mixed up too much in the gray, which most adults have. So you ask a kid what he wants to be when he grows up, and invariably you're going to hear, you might hear a sports star, but a lot of times you hear firemen, policemen, and astronaut, right? Right, that, that's a big one, and you go. Well, I wonder why. And I think the answer to that question is, and I have. There's a group that out there that actually says something very similar to this. They say that that young people, especially men, were made for adventure. In other words, their their life should be structured around a quest, around accomplishment of some grand mission, and. And that's in the kid. You can tell by the way they answer that question. And then when they, as they get a little older, what do they? What happens? Oh, the smarter and wiser adults, who by the way gave up on their mission years ago, start telling them, "Oh, come on, you'll never make any money as a teacher. Oh, come on, you won't make any money as a as a policeman. You won't make any money as a fireman." You know, and they they squelch the dream. Of course, it didn't have to be that job. It could have been the the, the idea that the, the kid wanted to develop some way that fires never happen again ever. I don't know. You know, right, I'm making, right. but but the. Idea is that he, he, the kid had a dream, had a mission, had a had some grand adventure that he wanted to to embark upon, and the wise, the pseudo wise adults talk him out of it and tell him to go chase money. Um, well- and, and I think it's, it's a huge mistake, and so we lose that sense of adventure. We lose that sense of a quest, and that's why I think there's, like, this desperation in the workforce because everyone's sitting behind doing some mindless job they can't stand anymore, uh, and everything they ever dreamed about as a kid is just dead.
2: Yeah, and, and I, you know, I think some of us are, are fortunate enough that uh, uh, sometimes that gets rekindled um it mm-hmm. has for me it has for me with complete fitness and it's got nothing to do heck i don't know if we'll ever make any money doing complete fitness but uh the 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 ideas of of doing nothing out of selfish ambition and, and looking to to uh, um putting others above yourself and sometimes with, with kids as they get a little older not when they're two or three but you, you can watch kids that that are brought up in families that that do um in a loving family that they will tend to put other people's um, interests above themselves and and uh, we have gotten so if you i bet you I, I haven't done this but I, I, those self help uh websites that we went to almost every one of those will be centered around self because mm-hmm. it's called self help when in reality you know christ christ was was asked by uh, um, when he was on trial the the two greatest commandments and the first was to love thy God with all their heart and all their might and all their soul, and the second was to love others as as yourself. Mm-hmm. If we lived in a world where we actually loved others as ourselves, and Brad and I actually had this conversation before we started the show, that and he doesn't share the same beliefs that we do. But can you imagine the world where we actually did that? Yeah. Yeah. You know,
3: well, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I really I love that part of your message. And when you said it, uh, I think it resonates with anybody who has any goodwill at all. Which is, hey, I'm not doing it for money. <laughs> and, I, and most of us go, what? What are you talking about? It's got to be profitable or can survive, you know. And they start having conniption fits. But when you say, "I'm not doing it for money," I'm, I honestly am doing it because I put something else above that. Uh, look, give it two, give it two minutes of thought, and you'll know there's many, many, many things more important than money. Uh, I remember there's a philosophy teacher of mine said, "You can tell money's not what people are working for because the minute." You ask them, what are you going to do with all that money? They start telling you what they're going to buy. So they obviously don't right. money. They want the thing. <laughs> well, right. Then you say, why do you want the thing? And you keep asking these questions. You find out, oh, I want to be happy. Okay, well, money didn't do it, did it? It might give given you the thing that made you happy, but then you realize that thing didn't make you happy either. You keep going on, and you do this reduction with them. and you finally realize, yeah, I really am after some kind of blessedness, some kind of happiness. And, of course, if you ask for He asks God where blessedness comes from. He gives a whole chapter of it all. (laughs) Blessed are the poor. (laughs) Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Uh, It's a whole different orientation than what we have.
2: Yeah, and and it actually reminded me of of the first uh, complete fitness event we did. As it was, you know, it's been defined as we go, and I am going to get to that definition of complete fitness. I have not forgotten. Um, But uh, when we did the first event. And my my mentor in the financial planning business is uh, and and I love him to death. It, it, it's not anything that it, it's just misguidedness. And when we got back from that trip, um, the first thing he asked me was, uh, "Well, did you make any money on the trip?" I said, "Well, it didn't even cross my mind that we were <laughs> going to make any money." I, I, the, so far, so far, it, it, if we want to talk about a good financial decision, it's been a terrible one because yeah. it has it's cost it's cost me as far as the dollars go, quite a bit. But you know what? I'd spend twice that much much if I had to because we're seeing people make changes and we're seeing people that are we like we have seventeen people that are that are given a dollar a day right now. I think yeah. it's seventeen. That they don't know the the biggest majority don't even know the person that that we're helping. Um they're doing it without selfish ambition. Now is that is that um it's just a symbol of what what we can do. I, I think Tiffany Swilly actually defined it best. That I think what we're doing, because Mickey on this on this very show, because I think what we're doing with the Dollar a Day is we're we're creating community where yeah. people actually get to know each other and they get to, they help each other through their stuff. It's not always helping someone out of debt. It might just be. Helping them with mowing the lawn for heaven's sake. Well, at that moment
3: did not. I mean, I said something in the reverse just a few minutes ago, and I said we all feel so isolated. And if you can establish community, I promise you, you're going to have uh, you'll have gangbusters in this in this program because people are lonely. They're desperate. Yes. Uh, and, and, and if you give them a means by which they connect and actually love one another, actually give charity to one another, uh, it'll it'll just blossom because love always does.
2: Yeah and so let's get to the definition of complete fitness and um you fuss at me a little bit sometimes because i i, I have a tendency to uh i think it's a, a lack of uh self confidence <laughs> at times but um complete fitness is actually very simple you know in 2008 uh, when, right before the markets were about to hit their 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 woes i was actually um financially as fit as i had ever been we had just come off of two years of making multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars, um, and at the same time, I was as physically fit as I had ever – not ever been, as I had been since I played college baseball. Mm-hmm. And within six months of hitting those two numbers, I was on my knees because I was I, – I, I'm physically fit, financially fit, or at least moving in that direction of what, what people call financially fit, but yet I was miserable. And the misery, the misery started to – that was the beginning of complete fitness. While I didn't know it at the time, that God was starting to go, okay, I'm going – I started praying. God, open my eyes. Open my eyes to the truth. Open my eyes. And I actually prayed for a door out of the business, and thank God he didn't answer it. Sometimes Sometimes – was that old Garth Brooks songs, the the unanswered uh, prayers? Yeah, right. Um, but uh, he did answer them. He answered it with with, with a different direction. Now, will I, will I be in the financial planning industry five years from now? I have no idea. But the definition of complete fitness, when we look at being completely fit, there's all these books, there's 120 million hits on Google for physical fitness. There's 367 million hits on personal development. And when I started looking into it, it became so simple. Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you believe that, on the other side of 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 this life you know complete fitness in this life is impossible Mm -hmm. because there's nothing there's nothing to stop i had a buddy of mine just passed away last week and he was you know a year ago two years ago he thought he was fairly physically and and financially fit Mm -hmm. but yet all of a sudden he was struck with an incurable form of cancer and um you know now you talk about somebody that that went through it with with grace and dignity and and, and knew what he was facing, but never showed. There may have been times at home he, he had fear, but the definition, folks, of complete fitness is on the other side. We can yeah. never reach it. When I when I look on the video, you actually hear it from our complete fitness event. When I look at the gray hairs that are showing up on my on my head, <laughs> I, I I am reminded. No matter how many times I go and I do this every day. I work out pretty darn hard each and every day. But those gray hairs remind me and the aches in my knees that time wins. Yeah. well, Let
3: me me offer this and see if you would agree with it. Would you say that complete fitness on this side, even though we acknowledge there's no completeness, is accepting that hole in our chest, is accepting that hole that's not filled yet because we haven't reached the other side?
2: Yeah, it reminds me of of what uh, what Paul said. And he said to die, to bet, to uh, it would be better to die you, to be with Christ. But as of now, our job, and I'm now putting in Mickey's words, our job is that great commission is to, mm-hmm. to introduce mm-hmm. as many people as we possibly can to Christ. Now we can't convert them. You know, I, I, it, it that's up to God whether they they see the same thing that that we see. But the ultimate goal is is to to Bring faith, hope, and love into reality and show people that what we're supposed to be as Christians is not necessarily where you see the, the Christians that in the name of Jesus Christ – they say they do it in the name of Jesus Christ, but yet they blow up an abortion clinic and call themselves pro-life. Right, Those that right. that's not that's not what Christ calls us to be. Mm. Christ calls us to love our neighbors as ourselves. Now that our neighbor could have been that abortion doctor, and we we didn't give him a chance to reach complete fitness because you know what we'll say? Well, gosh, he didn't deserve it. Well, neither did David. Right? Not you, right. not David Simpson. Oh, they do no, not David Simpson yell at us, But David from Scripture. I mean, the guy was a was was an adulterer, murderer, and 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 then he also used Paul to spread the gospel and with, with with Paul Paul murdered Christians for heaven's sakes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he murdered Christians but yet that's who wrote the majority of a big majority of uh, not a lot of the new testament Right. I don't want to say the majority of it, but yeah, well, I think
3: I mentioned to yep. you before, you know, because you know we we hear these things and sometimes they don't have the impact they ought to have, I guess. But you know, Saint Augustine always said, you know, my soul is restless, Lord, until it rests in You. And to me, that's complete fitness, it's the acceptance that on this side of the veil, what we call, what we call the veil of tears, we're never complete. And so, in that sense, I guess our our word, our word for the for the organization complete fitness is a little bit incorrect maybe we need to look about changing that but uh it's a little bit we're a little incomplete because we can't fill that hole in our chest
2: but well i think but, david but, the, the the actual title of of my book is the road to complete fitness mm-hmm. we're on this road to complete. there you go fitness. we're yeah. not th- we're not there that's right um, that's right and and i think that's what what we're we're trying to we're trying to do, um, but the hardest thing, gonna... Mickey, I think, for most people is they can't accept that hole
3: in their chest, and they keep trying to stuff in it something else like money, like a job, like sex, like drugs, like you you name it. Okay, I'm gonna stick anything else in that hole because I don't like it being there. But but a huge step on the way to fitness is accepting the hole that only God's gonna fill when you finally reach the other side.
2: Yeah, David, my, I have a cousin, my Andy Callahan, that told me a story one time, and we've got about three minutes before close. He said, Mickey, you know you know what the difference between Christianity and all the other religions is? This is the main difference. He says almost every other religion will teach you that um, you gotta do, you got to do this to get to heaven. you got to do these works to get to heaven. And it's all centered around works. And I'm not knocking works because if you read the book of James, you'll find out that, that what is thought of as far as works are concerned. Mm-hmm. But he says, you know what it's like? He says everybody else is climbing a mountain. To get to what they, they think is 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 to heaven. As Christians, we're trying to climb a cliff. We can't get to the top of that, but yet Christ reaches his hand down and says, hey, grab my hand. Mm-hmm. I'll bring you with me. You can't do this, but we'll bring you to it. Now, what happens, I think, is if we're truly converted, we truly become Christians, the works just happen. Yeah. Works are just that. That that's it. we have now changed who we are. Who we are we're we're not going to go bash the the poor girl who has just committed one of the mortal sins of having of having an abortion. We're going to love that person. We're going to let yeah. God do the conversion of it because she's going to have to live with that pain forever. Yeah, um, Dave. We have about two uh, about a minute and a half left. Anything you want to say before we go off the air? No, I, I just say congratulations on Complete
3: Fitness. I think it's a growing movement. I think you've done a great job in keeping it, you know, ordered and structured, and, and I you and know I wish you God's blessings upon it. All
2: right, man, I appreciate it, and, and I've been surrounded by some some great people. Tiffany Swilley has seen the vision as, as well, uh, Michael Gowan, and some other folks that, uh, you know, as I said in the event, as far as the, even the dollar a day, you know, we can go out and preach this message all we want, but if it's just us talking, doing this message, all we're doing is talking. We need other people to join along with us, and it doesn't mean you have to do the dollar a day. It may be something else, mm-hmm. maybe some other way that that you're helping other folks. I had a, a cousin of mine that that she says, "Mickey, I can't do the dollar a day because we're busy helping family. Um, they our family is helping." I said, "Well, that's what you're supposed to do." Yeah, but the the it's not to, to throw a guilt trip if you if you're unable to do it, folks. Um, I want to thank you for joining the show this week, David. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Mickey. Um, and uh, I look forward to, to where God takes us with Complete Fitness and, uh, and the road to Complete Fitness and, and where, uh, where we can help other folks to, to get on that road so that one day we can all reach Complete Fitness. Folks, I hope you enjoy the show. We'll see you next week um, when we'll have another edition of The Mickey Ellison Show. See you then. <laughs>
1: so much for joining us on the mickey ellison show mickey plans to be here again next wednesday morning at 8 a.m pacific time 11 a.m eastern time on the voice america variety channel we hope you'll be here too